Our passage tonight is Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And the context of the passage is Jesus has, his teaching and his ministry has been rejected by the religious elites. The, the insiders have just rejected, just pretty much called him crazy, this is wrong, this is, he's a heretic, blah, 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 okay. And so here's what he says, verse 25, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Here's what he's saying. I praise you, Father, Yahweh of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You hear echoes of last night, Trinitarian relationship. And then he says this. He says it out loud. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. In the context of this, he's preaching to religious elites that were part of a system of rabbis and other leaders and scribes. And when they talked about a yoke, he's being very, very specific here. He's using their language, the yoke of a rabbi, to sit at the feet of a rabbi. And here's what he's saying to them. Their yoke is killing you. Their religion is crushing you. And I know you're afraid to come out. But come on. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this this place, this day. Thank you for all of these people and the stories they represent and how precious they are to you, God. I do not take that lightly, and I feel very honored that I get to speak to them about you, Jesus. Would you, once again, Holy Spirit, give them that sweet, sweet comfort and peace. It comes from knowing you. Right where they need it. Minister to them tonight. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. Um, I was watching that. My family likes Disney a lot. Right? And I talk about Disney from time to time, but anyway, I feel like I have to apologize because it's weird. But... I was watching this uh, documentary about Disneyland Imagineers. Imagineers, they're like the engineers, okay. Some people are nodding like they've seen it too, yeah. Disney Plus. Um, and as the series was coming to an end, some of the Imagine- Imagineers were starting to kind of wax eloquent, kind of getting philosophical, right? And they're like, what's the magic really about? And why do we do what we do? And one of them said, 
underneath it all is a very simple message that it's all going to be okay. Everyone wants it to be okay. For everything to be okay, no matter what's going on outside the parks. It doesn't matter right now. In here, there is beauty and order. And y'all, that is powerful. And that is Disney, right? Regardless of what you think about them. What is that magic kind of sparkle? Very expensive. But they've tapped into something. Walt Disney tapped into something. A primal desire for deep physical, spiritual, cognitive rest. Deep rest. A safe place to land. And here is Jesus, the carpenter, the Nazarene, offering true rest. To us. To who? To anyone. To anyone. Are you weary and tired? That's, you know, that's the prerequisite. So we're going to look at three things. One, the need for soul rest, the nature of soul rest, and then the novelty of the rest giver. The need for soul rest, the nature of soul rest, and then the novelty, and then y'all can go to East Nashville. Okay. The need for soul rest is soul fatigue. Jesus knows. Even though like, no one's saying it, they don't know how to say it. No one's admitting it. But he knows that they are tired and weary. And the word, there are two words here, weary and, and heavy laden or burden. There's all these different translations. And to be tired, this word's really interesting. This word is to be tired or weary from, from doing something or exerting something or carrying some burden. So it's a soul fatigue that comes from a long, long period of dragging something that you can't carry. That's what he's saying to these people. To be crushed by the weight of this burden. Those who are crushed by the weight of a burden. Um, Chuck DeGroat wrote a book called Wholeheartedness. And in it, I think my favorite part of the book, he's a quote really from uh, the poet Robert Bly, who's a poet, translator, um, in his 90s now, Robert Bly is. And, and so I want to read you this quote, because I think it gets at, it really does hit not just where our students are, but where we are. He calls it the invisible bag. Humans learn early that the world is in a very safe place. Imperfect parents, peer pressure, academic pressures of success and failure, and more cause us to question whether or not parts of us are acceptable to others particularly the darker parts, our zits, our warts, our failures, our fallibilities, our inabilities, our disabilities, our bodies. And during our childhood, we begin 
putting these unacceptable parts of ourselves into an invisible bag. A bag which grows as we transition through the pressures of high school into the rigors of college and the anxieties of marriage and family. And by the time we hit our early 30s, a lot of y'all, right? Some of y'all. That invisible bag has greatly expanded, weighing down even the most resilient among us. If we were wise, if we, we open it, we begin to take inventory of those forgotten parts, parts we perceive to be too ugly or scary, parts that require much courage to face. However, sometimes the rabbit hole seems too deep, the challenge too great, and we redouble our efforts and pull ourselves together, fastening our bag tightly so that no one, not even us, especially not us, ever look inside. Bullseye. And I think that's just a modern translation of what Jesus is just doing a 360 around just saying. Are you carrying an invisible bag and you don't even know what's in it? And you're so sick of it, but you think giving it up would be equivalent to dying? And in some ways, religion makes it heavier? So, like, I guess maybe the question for you to begin to think a little bit is, like, what's your invisible bag like? You got one. All of us do. It's the nature of being broken. Sinful. Guilt, shame, fear. Some of that stuff comes before we ever learn how to spell our name with a, with a jumbo pencil. That's how I learned to spell my name, with some of those big fat pencils. Some of that stuff gets in on us right before the cement ever dries. And evil gets its fingers into the sidewalk. And it tells us a different story. relational funk that we feel the insecurity that you don't really know why the self-contempt the role maybe that you play in your family why you feel maybe like a stranger in your own family sometimes or what why you feel so uncomfortable in your own skin why why you hate your body why, why you hate the way you talk, you hate the way you look, you hate the way you think. Our past that we rationalize, things that we shove down, or we do a classic thing like men, addressing the men especially here is, I don't do feelings, so you don't have a pulse. So we think shoving the stuff down, it just magically goes away. Good cure to that is get married to a woman. And so we have all of this stuff, and in some ways we're still like nine years old. In some ways we're so small and we're so scared, and, and I feel sometimes like I'm still that 13-year-old boy in, in, the, in, the, in the seventh grade locker room before the football game so scared, so don't want to play football. Football. (laughs) 
And here's the thing. This is really good news when Jesus says, Lord, Father, God of heaven and earth, Yahweh, in case you didn't hear it, the, the God that you all worship, that's what he's saying, the one that you're all quoting all the time and talking about how awesome he is, the Tetragrammaton, he's my Father. It pleased you to hide these things from the know-it-alls and to reveal these things to who? The seventh grader. The little kid. The most wounded little kid part of me. Eyes open. And so you don't have to explain everything that's in the bag. That's not the point. I think it's so good. It's not about you being able to sort of itemize every single thing as much as helpful as it is to know what has happened to us and being part of our stories. But sometimes we can overanalyze it a little bit. But when we talk about our burdens and our weariness, we talk about the invisible bag. What Jesus is saying is you don't have to know. Some of that's just implicit, conscious. Some of our wounds are limbic. They're in the bones. You will never find words for them. It's before you had friggin' words. Father, thank you that you revealed these things to little children. Come here, weary child. Come out wherever you are. Come on. Jesus never says, like, figure it out. Hey, Richie. Figure it out. Come see me. I'll give you rest. He just says, are you weary? Come on. Do you know, think about your need for rest right now. I'll venture to say half of y'all are here is because you're exhausted. And you may not even know why you're exhausted. I don't know why I'm exhausted half the time. Part of it's just being 46 and having three kids. So your need for rest, here's my point before we move to the second point. You need to identify, we're identifying those parts of us that are, that are so burdened and so tired. And it's okay. How about this? The unutterable sadnesses within each of us. Tell me he's not doing that. Tell me he's not in the middle of that street, in that place, calling out, speaking to our unutterable sadnesses. And so the nature of the rest that he offers is this. It's a soul rest. It's so fascinating. I'll give you rest for your souls. That's never been said. That's never been said before, outside of like Jesus. Because we're used to hearing it. I'll give you rest for your soul. We're like, oh, yes, yeah, soul rest. Nope. That's, that's a new thing. That's a new, that's new. Soul rest. Soul rest. What is your soul? Here's what he's saying. When he says your soul, he's saying your essence. The quivering marrow inside of you. The true, true, true you. Way down deep. The eternal you. Right? Talk about liminal and beautiful and deep. The deepest part of you aches with fatigue. Do you see what he's saying? Like the deepest part of you that you can't figure out, you can't even put words to it. It's just like, is your soul worn out? Come on. 
and I'll give you rest, rest at the deepest place. Now, y'all, that's a big, big offer. Y'all know what I'm saying? That's huge. Now, you can kind of guess why people start going like, I think he's crazy. I think he's crazy. And you got to admit, that's the best thing you've ever heard. That's the best offer I've ever heard. Soul rest, deep soul rest. And he's saying, I'll give you soul rest now. I give you soul rest now. How can he do that? It's because soul rest is not a concept to be comprehended, understood, grasped, and then had. He is the rest. This is why I say limbic. This is why I say it's so simple. It's so simple. That's why we don't understand it. Jesus himself is the rest your soul craves. Let me say it again. Jesus himself is the rest your soul craves. X marks the spot. So when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he literally says, I am way. That's a weird thing to call yourself. <laughs> Unless your name is Way Rutherford, who's already a campus minister at, at Baylor. His name is Way. That's the coolest name I've ever heard. Way. Jesus is like saying, I am way. And so here's what he's saying. I am destination. Your soul, you know what you just need? You need me. And I'm here. Your so I am sufficient for your soul. I am. I'm enough for your soul. You're not. And the child parts of us they might even sneak out and run to them. They long to grab for them. The grown-up parts of us, the strategic mind, the anxious ego, those parts of us go, oh, 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 there's no free lunch. What the heck is going on here? Let's figure this out. Wait a second, Jesus. Give us a second. I'm going to get a spreadsheet together. I'm going to figure out what's in my invisible bag, and then I'm going to get back to you. But Jesus is saying, Father, it pleased you. It delights you that people just come to me and say, I am poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. Needing, G needing Jesus, y'all, I don't know how else to say this. I, needing Jesus, that's faith. I, it, so often I hear people say, and I've even said it, like, I just feel my need for Jesus. I'm saying, come on, Jesus. I feel my need for you. I'm so desperate here. I just need you, Jesus. Show up, Jesus. Like, he's just waiting. Like, he's like, I'm busy. Just give me a second. Give me a second, and I'll come around and have you. Your desperate need for Jesus is the song of the Spirit at the depths of your being. It is the greatest gift that you could ever be given. And if you come here with an aching need, for the rest that Jesus offers, you come here with a need for Jesus. Jesus is your rest. Cheer up. You have him. You have him. Why can I, how can I say that? Because of what he's like. And only because of what he's like. The novelty of the rest giver. Novelty, the word 
It's got two meanings, and I use it in, for a reason. It both means something that's original, new, fresh, different, creative, right? And it also means something that is small and inexpensive. So it's something that is like the coolest thing ever, and then it's like also really affordable. Can it be both? It means novelty means both of those things. That's Jesus. So what do I mean? Well, he said something that is outrageous, and if he's not God, he's crazy because he said, "No one knows the Father except the Son, and no one the the Son's been given everything, and He reveals whatever He wants the Father." To he is claiming in that passage, verses twenty-five and twenty-six, he's claiming to be in the Godhead. He's claiming to have clearance with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's basically saying that no one knows God except the Son, and no one knows the Son except God. No one knows the, I, and the one that the Son chooses to reveal it. And so he's saying, I'm the great I am. I am who I am. Everything, he's saying, everything has been made through me, for me, by me. I am God. So you can't get any higher than Jesus. You can't get any more novel than Jesus. Jesus is, in all caps, the king. All authority. You know what that means? Whatever's inside of you is no match for him. And whatever's happened to you is not too big for him. And whatever you've done, his blood is enough. Oh, how precious is this blood. Why? Do you know who died on the cross? The Son of God. We're not talking about just any blood. We're talking about blood that can cleanse the corners that you can't get to. That can wash you absolutely clean. That make you perfect because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are thrilled for you to be wiped, washed in the blood of Jesus. Clean. I know you don't feel clean. You are. Like, I know your conscience is, like, accusing you all the time. Or I love how the Heidelberg Catechism says, like, and one of the things it talks about the, the law of God it says, my conscience constantly accuses me as having never kept any of the commandments. <laughs> like, okay. Never kept him. In other words, like we've broken it. We just, we, just, we just sin all the time. We're sin factories. And the blood of Jesus washes us clean because he's the great I am. That's novel. And it also means that what he offers, the kind of rest that he offers, is the true eternal rest because he is the eternal one. But this is the most precious part. He's gentle and lowly and humble in heart. You've never met, you and I have never met a more gentle approachable, humble, kind man. We have never encountered someone as wonderful and as kind and as gentle, as gentle. He called himself gentle. Why would he call himself gentle? 
And I was looking at like the word gentle, defining the English word gentle. Do you know what an antonym, the opposite of gentle is? Harsh. You and I have grown up with some harsh authority figures. And that's one of the reasons we, we developed the invisible back. Not showing that, big brother, coach, mom, dad. But do you see, he's gentle. And so the most wounded orphan parts of you, he befriends. They can come to him. The God who's gentle. The most dirty, the most foul, the most upset, the most scared parts of our being get rest. Why? He's so kind. So kind. And he's humble. Do you know that word humble, lowly of heart? Do you know that that actually means crushed, downcast, rejected? That, that, that Jesus is down here. Jesus is actually closer to you than you are. One of the reasons you're not, you don't feel close to Jesus is because you're not close to you. Because Jesus loves his beloved is the orphan. The one that we sent out into the wilderness. The parts of us that are so broken and so foul. He adores those parts of us to cleanse them and hold them and renew them and care for them. Why? Because he's like them. Thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the proud and from those who don't think they need it, and you have revealed it to desperate children that can't even spell their names. And if that's where your fatigue is right now, this is the best news you could ever hear. Drink it up and feast tonight. Raise a glass to the gentle and kind Savior. Do you see? Jesus wants to minister to you. You need to be ministered to first. You receive the ministry of Jesus, the gentle and lowly great I am, so that you can then go and minister. Now close with this illustration. When I think about bringing both of these things together, the great I am, the awesome God who is so gentle, and y'all, he has been, he has been to me in ways that I can't truly express. He has been so kind to me. So kind to me in my life. And one of the memories I have is when I was a little boy, we went to the planetarium at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, also known as Yuba. And their planetarium, planetariums are awesome. If you haven't been to a planetarium in a long time, go. So 80s. We walk in, and I was in, pre, I was in, I was in elementary school, because I remember walking in, and we had a little brown bag lunch and everything, like, you know, spend the day at the school and go to the planetarium. And I remember everything got really, really dark, and then the sky, it, it looks like this 
blue black thing and then they just start showing these stars up in the planetarium and then these planets out there and i felt so small and so overwhelmed by just how vast space was and then the narrator's voice came on and do you know who was narrating the galaxy and the stars do you know who the narrator's voice was big bird And I've, I've remembered this to thinking like, this is how much my God loves me. That that memory came back to me about a year ago. It's God saying to me, this is who I am. Do you remember? I'm the one who made the constellations and all the universe. And I'm as approachable as Big Bird. What parts of you what parts of you need to lean into him tonight in this moment? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just the privilege of talking about this passage and to talk about you, Jesus. We love you. We want to love you more. Your love for us is, is immeasurable. So thank you. Amen.